Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. And I'm Tom Scholey. We're going to be taking a look at Giant Size X-Men, issue number one, uh, the Eddie P. recolored version <laughs> that it. you can find in the X-Men Grand Design Second Genesis Treasury Edition. But first, Jimmy, what do you have? Patreon.com slash Jim Rugg. I post a lot of out-of-print scenes and mini-comics. I just posted BW, my... Uh, my homage to the 1980s black and white boom the self-published small press books of that era i find to be very inspiring so this reprints ads collages panels text pages logos all the stuff that i find really exciting from those comics uh, that's the latest upload there so if you join my patreon you can download it there you can also get this on my website at jimrug.com the other stuff on my patreon is original art script layouts process of how i make comics like street angel plain janes octobriana and more Patreon.com slash Jim Rugg, Reagan's Raiders. Speaking of Rich Buckler. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I was uh, admiring the uh, Lindell Ferguson vintage artwork uh, in, in, in those pages. That is a deep, deep pull. <laughs> Tom. Uh, here's my tribute to X-Men Grand Design. It's Fantastic Four Grand Design. <laughs> and uh, telling the whole story in of the Fantastic Four in one volume, uh, you're, you're going to flip when you read this. And in the back, another uh, recolored by by Eddie P. Uh, uh, classic uh, comic book from from Marvel's past. And I also got Jack Kirby: The Epic Life of the King of Comics. It's the life story of Jack Kirby, told in comics form. Uh, you know, if if, you, if you're curious about him or every you know particular about him, you'll get all your questions answered here. Um, I also have a YouTube channel called Total Recall Show, and check out my Patreon uh, at patreon.com, search Tom Scholey, and see all the various comics I've been working on for the past year and a half. I'm a believer in the kayfabe effect. I'll pimp out this X-Men Grand Design. Why uh, not? Go go get your hands on it, man. It's uh, The idea was take 300 issues of X-Men comics, plus all those miniseries, 8,000 pages worth of stuff, make a 250-page comic out of it. it. When you take all the uh, all the soap opera shit out of there you create a fletcher hanks type comic <laughs> and i have uh, a recolored classic x-men comic in the back of each makes perfect sense when you get into the new x-men to uh reprint giant size x-men number one and off the bat i actually have a have a story about this exact issue because like when you go into the marvel archives like i could get the digital file for this thing and it has that blown out color and it's this digitally perfect thing with perfect blacks and stuff. None of that. I go call up Bill Boyshell. Bill, can you get me somebody who has a giant size X-Men, number one, come to my house. Let me, let me like create like a super giant scan of it. And, uh, you know, I'll send you on your way. He's like, I, I, I got you, man. I know a guy. Calls a dude up, gets hold of that giant size X-Men comic. Pick, pick Bill up. After a long day at, at, at Copacetic Comics, come to my house, man. We scan this thing. I don't touch it. Like, mm -hmm. Bill, take it out of that clamshell. Bill, put it on my flatbed. Bill, this is how I'm going to lay it down so that I could get my proper scan. Bill, take it off the glass. Let's go. Let me get you some dinner, man. Thank you so much for, for bringing, you know, a $1,000 comic book to my house so that I could scan it. That, please thank the guy. Go get some... Uh, some uh what do we get miss some uh, pad thai having a good old time talking shit just having a blast we leave bill doesn't bring the comic he <laughs> leaves his bag with the giant size x-men in the, in the <laughs> restaurant oh god <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we went back, we retrieved it, it was all good. But it was just so funny how like I didn't touch the thing. I kept it in his possession. I didn't want to be have any responsibility for it, man. And this issue got left behind for like ten minutes. That's, That's a comment right there. <laughs> man. That's great. And I mean you're doing God's work here because I feel like this is the definitive like this the the uh, X-Men Grand Design reprint of Giant Size X-Men is the definitive Giant Size X-Men number one. First of all, it's giant sized. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. It actually lives up to the name. Yeah, yeah. I did a little Eddie P stuff that I just couldn't help, man. Like my magenta is a different kind of it's 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 more fluorescent. And I like to put in some of that white, but uh why don't we just crack into things, man? Giant size X-Men number one, the 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 introduction of the new team. They uh they being Marvel saw that they were growing a bigger and bigger foreign audience. So they had this X-Men thing rolling around. The numbers finally came in from, from the newsstands, and they were like, oh, that that new Adam stuff, that Jim Steranko stuff, it actually uh, it actually sold. We might, might be able to do something with this. The idea was that they're going to create an international team that they can, uh, they can sell across the world. And here are our guys, man. Kind of, you know, like, it, you know, done for mercenary purposes but like what a great recipe for success it's like instead of having carbon copies of the same you know four kind of people you've been seeing in superhero comics all along let's let's vary it up a little you know let's let's say one thing about the mercenary comment okay every comic marvel published would be mercenary in that it's all based on how many can we sell and if we don't sell enough cut it and put a different book out there that tries to sell more Mm -hmm. yeah i mean but this is this is kind of like a quantum leap this is, you know, like, you know, this was putting two to two, two and two together in a way that comics historically has not done. You know, there's a lot of just running on, you know, what what did we do yesterday kind of thinking. Dave Cockrum's art looks really good in this stuff. And I think at this, like this reprint version of it is the best that I've seen of it. Yes. It was, it was really cool studying his work. Like all of these guys, the first uh, Grand Design has a Jack, has X-Men number one. This one, Giant Size X-Men. Uh, the Jim Lee, uh, Captain America Wolverine story is in my last trade paperback. When you look at the digital files, uh, and you're working on the color for the people who just don't know, you know, who are, yeah. who are coming by, uh, what you see on your monitor right now, or ho- however you're watching this video, you don't, it's, it's 10 times the size when you bring it into Adobe Photoshop, like you might just get nightcrawler's eye on your computer monitor you see it at that close a level and there's some stuff to learn from from these guys man uh i i feel like it's very interesting because these are new characters that we never seen before really so each one has to get their little bit of shine man you got your two pages introducing nightcrawler and what a great introduction like it it feels like you know something you'd see in an x-men movie where it's like here he is and and uh you know, great setup, kind of this like classic movie monster kind of setup being chased. And then all of a sudden everybody freezes and he's like, how, what happened to, to these people? And then, uh, Professor X comes out and he's like, I happened to these people. Like it's, yeah. it's so like, you're just hooked immediately. We were introduced to Wolverine previously in Incredible Hulk comics. Dave Cockrum playing that game of telephone thought that this is what the, the costume looked like. And, uh, forevermore Wolverine has these like, Whatever you want to call that. 
Well, better than the whiskers design, I think, of the original. A thousand times. Cockrum's bring this whole bag of tricks that he's developed over at DC with all the Legion stuff. Great design flourishes, like just just classic comic stuff, and and you know bringing it here. And it's fascinating because like it has no like logical sense, but it, you don't need it. It's just like a cool. Th- it's iconic. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like, what is it? So I'm pretty critical of this comic. I oh, didn't enjoy reading this. Oh, that's hilarious. I, I think it's not particularly good, but there are great things in it. I mean, okay. obviously, it's it's super important in the history of comics. It has greater meaning than the comics quality inherent, you know, inherent to just this issue. But I think leading off with Nightcrawler is brilliant because it is the most visually striking of all of these characters. It is a monster. Uh, I think that's a really great choice to open the comic with that. It's it's Cockrum's superstar too. Like I just learned, like I knew a lot of this stuff he had kind of brought over from like his Legion work and stuff. I didn't know that he co- completely created Nightcrawler and called him Nightcrawler and pitched it to DC and it got rejected and then brought it to, to Marvel. That's amazing. It makes a lot of sense because he feels so far sort of like extreme compared to the other X-Men that are on this team. And I think that's a plus. I think that's a great thing, but it makes sense that that would be a character that Dave Cockrum had. uh, And they kind of like fit him in here. Jim, you, you said you did not enjoy this. I realized reading this, I've never read this comic. Yeah. I thought I did. I, you know, was huge into X, you know, went through my X-Men phase from like probably age 12, 13, 14. It's like my favorite comic, read a million things. I've read a bunch of like, what ifs that redo this story. I've seen it referenced. I've never read this specific comic before. And I was like blown away by it. Like I couldn't believe how good it was. You know what I meant to say? Like looking at this uh, splash page, if you read, uh, you know, classic X-Men number one, it starts, it starts with a giant size. And then when he gets into X-Men 94, like that's Mm -hmm. number two, uh, Dave Cockrum drew a weird beast and in the classic X-Men's they, uh, they redraw him. And, yeah. and like and like do a paste up over top of that. Yeah, he's pretty funky looking. He, you know. I absolutely adore this coloring, Ed. This yeah, is good really, choices, really, really great. Like it, it looks like it's glowing behind her. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, totally. The point, like the reason to play with this kind of paper texture is for that. Yeah, let's compare. Yeah, I mean, because this is how I read it. I forgot that you printed it here, and I would have read this version, but it gives me an excuse to read this again. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, really great. And I love, like, I just love all these introductory sequences like i never saw the, the these introductions before and it's like oh okay this is why everybody calls aurora a goddess like she literally was a goddess and and they they worshiped her and, and you know like she was another character of uh of dave cockrum's yeah is that, that right yeah she was she was more of a cat kind of character well, uh-huh. can i show you something kind of cool in in this version that i was reading in the back it has like this stuff so there's his pitch of the outsiders to dc featuring a guy called nightcrawler who looks exactly like nightcrawler and then uh and then yeah here's all the different yeah. bits and pieces that went into being a ro- so it's not nightcrawler's the only one where it's like wow it's the exact guy but here it's like he's kind of mixing and matching different different things oh yeah that's right man because there's uh the aurora yeah this was like this was like the redesign for marvel girl which he ended up not using but yeah he took the cape and then you know stuck it on on storm that's so cool yeah, and, and like seeing that thing with the Nightcrawler, it made me think with Dave Cockrum, like, well, that that's obviously like, you have a great lawsuit at that point because you can say like, this thing's already, like this was created prior to this. It can't be work for hire. And, you know, it's kind of how Starlin got some Thanos, some participation in Thanos. There's like other stories like that. And, um, and you know, he did have like some undisclosed agreement with 
Marvel in like the early 2000s or something. When the movie came yeah. out. Love all the rain stuff that he's drawing. Like all of the, the storm stuff there I just think looks amazing. And I, I read this on like a digitally scanned original issue that was beat up. The printing's bad. You lose so much of that detail, like his line art and stuff that's... Especially in some, a noisy scene like all that rain. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. Like the already established characters, like uh, Banshee and Sunfire, they get two panels. <laughs> yeah, and the the um, like this kind of the beauty of this version that you recolored is it's kind of the best of both worlds because some people do complain about that. Like as much as we love like old newsprinting stuff, they say, well, sometimes you lose some detail, you lose some of that. So this has everything. This has yeah. the texture and the detail. Now, as an X Men fan. I Sunfire would keep popping up in the story, but I never understood like why Sun like this is obviously going somewhere. I didn't realize he was like there in in like issue one, you know, like like in the very beginning. He, I mean, he was in like the New Adams. Issues. He was in the Neil Adams. Okay, because like again, this is like it's kind of like you know coming into like a movie partway through. So uh, like right. I read a million X Men comics and never read this one where it just establishes here's this guy, here's that guy, here you know here's how everybody fits together. Yeah, this guy existed before. Yeah, it's just like I would read like a later. John Byrne thing and be like, oh, where's this Sunfire story going? Why is he in here? Not realizing he's part of the lineup. We got Colossus. our sensitive artist. When I started reading X-Men, Colossus was my favorite. I thought he looked so cool. Such and a he cool looks design. great there. Yeah, I mean, how many times did you copy these kind of designs and like the big scalloped shoulders and stuff? I would study like how they would make the arms look metal Yeah, yeah. and just be like, it's like a light blue and white. <laughs> it, it was magic. It's interesting because it's not really here in in this artwork. It it, it it doesn't sell as metal that much. It kind of does here. It's not awful. It's not what they achieve ultimately. You but... need Bob Layton to come into Marvel because he's the guy who created the metal texture. And right, he... right, right. <laughs> you introduce his sister, and his sister's like so important later on. It's like, oh, yeah. oh she's there from day one to, and and it's a nice little setup of like you know this almost like a silent movie kind of thing, saving a little kid from getting run over. Here's where stuff gets dicey, man, because this is the introduction of Thunderbird. This is some of the worst characters. The writing in this, I struggle with. Part, yeah, sure. part of my complaint. Where, like, he doesn't want to come with him, and Xavier basically calls him a coward, and he's like, what? Yeah. I'll, I'll show you how brave I am. And it's like, wow. Wow, it's such, such an a trope. insult. Well, I was say, it that, is a trope, That's, that's sure. in, like, the old Kirby stuff, where it's like, you don't have the guts to turn that laser up to the maximum setting. <laughs> you know, and then it blows up in his face. It, it's a reminder of, you know, these are written for eight-year-olds oh, yeah. at this time oh yeah all right man not only are you gonna get him to the to the mansion but you're gonna dress him up in leotards unstable molecules <laughs> yeah that's right and then stage left comes the badass the yeah. boy scout himself and and this is this is the the Neil Adams costume, right? This is like this yeah. wasn't Cockrum's design for this, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. But it looks like a million bucks. Like this comic, it feels like a new aesthetic. It feels like a new way of telling stories that kind of became the norm. Like this, this yellow Wolverine man. That's the Wolverine from the animated series cartoon, and the Wolverine that I knew had had brown and orange. Yeah. And then when I started to like dig deeper, and I saw that there was this yellow costume, I remember like. Whatever I have to do, like, I just need to get a hold of some X-Men comics where he had a yellow costume. I need to see what that looks like. And then one of my earliest comics had, uh, it was the one with a man thing and had that yeah. blue outfit, you know? Like, the stuff that was going on at the time was like X-Factor with the X's all over the place. And I'm like, wow, that's an interesting costume. I need to see, I need to see some more of that. 
Man, that's the beefiest uh, Cyclops ever that, ever got. That's slim. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, we got the flashback. Yes, we have the flashback, and I opted to put a little, believe it or not, like 5% magenta over top. Mm -hmm. See, I had white, and, and there's 5% of magenta, like... Like, this is what pure That's white, white is. That's white, yeah, and this is a tiny bit of magenta. But, like, when you put that magenta on top of other color, it just saturated it so much. Uh, yeah, I mean, it works. It, like, gets you into the flashback, you know? It, it lets you know that, okay, this isn't the present. Um, I mean, I, I, I love the setup of this, of just, like, story-wise of the issue of, like, okay, the X-Men that you know are gone. We don't, you know, we don't, you know, they came to some horrible end, and now you got to go back to where it happened and investigate this is the part hey jimmy was this clunky to you man like uh cyclops ends back up in the blackbird jet and it somehow flies itself back to the x mansion well i mean i and then his powers go from he didn't have them to now they're back on i i i love this part because it is kind of like he's sort of like rationally like oh why am i back in this plane okay i'm flying back home i'm telling you know and it's like you know pretty obvious that you know, this is like a setup. Like he's doing everything this like evil entity wants him to do to get everybody to come back. Like their their mission in and of itself is is all part of the trap. Let's read some. <laughs> I wasn't happy by the time I reached Westchester. Not happy at all. The professor was no happier than I after I told him. <laughs> I don't know, man. I That's I rough. I was eating this stuff up. This like this. Like, I'm in happy land with this stuff. This is like my comfort zone, 100%. You know? so, sometimes it comes up, man. Uh, th this was written by Len Wein. This is not mm -hmm. Chris Claremont. Right, yeah. Yeah, big, uh, you know, hats off to Len, Len Wein for kind of setting up, you know, this thing. I mean, same, same with Cockrum. It's like John Byrne comes along and it's like Cockrum who? But, you know, Cockrum laid the foundation. Like, this, you know, this is his thing. You got your surly guy who's who's... Not sure if he wants to be on the team or not. I guess it's like been a while since I read this kind of comic where it's like the winning formula. Like this this is the winning formula for like Marvel comics, you know, from the time I was a kid. And just to see like just like a really good example of that of that formula. I am curious how this reads in context. Like what were the other Marvel comics like? You know, you've said it a couple times, Tom, that this is like a different yeah, kind it, of yeah. storytelling. And it feels like it. The costumes are all different. You know, it's not like they have their matching costumes. I'm just curious, like, overall, like, was this totally different? If you were reading comics at the time and, and loving Fantastic Four and Avengers, was this like, whoa, this well, is different? You know, the, the Neil Adams stuff, if you put it side by side with, like, the Neil Adams stuff, it's like, oh, well, the this is kind of like a more mainstream version. Like, this isn't as cool or adventurous as the... Neil Adams stuff, but when you sit down to read one of those Neil Adams X-Men, you're kind of bored. Where it's, this keeps going. It's this the keeps most, you moving. Yeah, like that, that Neil Adams stuff, the most incongruent creative team in mainstream comics is like Roy Thomas and uh, Neil Adams. There, there's just something working here. It's like, you know, the the, the execution, the concept, the, just this idea of like, you know, a bunch of different characters and giving each one a moment and, and, and then coming up with like upping the stakes where it's like, okay, what kind of bad guy do you have to come up with to justify this team of like 12 people, you know, to go after him? And it's like, okay, a living island. Nice seams on the gloves. <laughs> I always like to, you know, Jim Lee, I think of as the guy who's really good at that, but that's a really nice, nicely done seams. Interesting, weird uh, narrative box shapes on, on many of these boxes. I, I, I think the length of this story helps 
too, because it's got some room to breathe that like your average comic doesn't have. Yeah, you need it, ten pages to just introduce these people, and mm-hmm. now it's like, all right, let's let's actually begin our. That's funny though. Adventure. I mean, you, you point that out on a ten-panel page. <laughs> <laughs> and then Wolverine gets to fight some giant crabs. There's a lot of repetition, so they break up into four teams to yeah. uh, assault this island, and then all four teams essentially go through assaulting some part of the island. Which is like, that's like a super team trope that, you know, you got like the Justice League and they break up into sub teams and, and you know, they're fighting like Starro or whatever. I don't know, it just like, it, 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 in here it feels like it works in a way I haven't seen in a superhero comic up to this point. I, I, I don't know if you can answer this, Tom, but if this were to come out now as like a new image mm-hmm. comic book, do you think you'd have that same reaction or do you think you'd feel like, eh, it's kind of a I retro mean, kid sort of yeah thing. i mean well that's the th- like and we talked about this like ed you were saying part of the impetus of doing the x-men grand design is like you love the x-men but it's kind of like when you introduce this to somebody who's not familiar with it what do they make of it and it is this just gobbledygook to them and yeah maybe like i mean you'd you'd have to present this in a very different way but yeah i mean i can't separate myself from my love of x-men my love of old comics my love of goofy superhero stuff so like this is just talking to me in a way, but I have no, I, I, I mean, I think that this, um, I think you could give this to like, you know, a, an 11 or 12 year old now and they'd be like really into it, but I don't, like, I don't know what it, it'll do in a market. I can't imagine like seeing this on a shelf and picking this. It's like, what's with all these millions of panels? You know, you'd have to present it differently, but worked for me. This reminds me of Danny Street from Doom, Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol, where like the street's the character. Ah, right. right <laughs> Here right. we are, the mutant is the island. Uh, yeah, this <laughs> the phone's mean, coming from inside the house. <laughs> this, I mean, and this is kind of a brilliant thing, and it's like, you know, play on like uh, Ego, the Living Planet or whatever. But like, yeah, that generation, like the Grant Morrison's, the Alan Moore's and stuff, they've done their version of this, you know. Krakoa. And Krakoa, like such an important part of the X-Men mythology, and like up to this day. The, the sort of legend is that Len Wein was trying to come up with a way to, to sort of get out of this story. You know, <laughs> like uh, the island is, is the thing. Now, how, how do you destroy the island? And it was Chris Claremont, the intern, mm. uh, is the one that came up with the, with the coup de grace. Well, for this thing and the this very next great panel the very next everybody doing their power issue is like you know claremont and len wayne like co-plotting or whatever so that that makes sense that there'd be that kind of gentle that feels a little bit like neil adams uh, or, yeah. or tom palmer senior maybe i mean i think that's kind of what you're going for like cockrum coming in here is probably you know trying to play up and these are the neil adams like when these characters right. show up these that are the neil sense. adams characters yeah so they're uh Reversing the polarity. Right, yeah, this is the yeah the end of every Ghostbusters cartoon episode. Gonna, yeah, gonna yeah, explain s- this in detail. I'm going to go get a drink. <laughs> <laughs> going to spin the earth on its, on its axis and dislodge <laughs> the island from, uh, from the water. <laughs> Imagine having to draw that, right? Like, it's drawn really well. Cockrum rises to the challenge. There, there's a lot of stuff in here that I'm impressed by his drawing. Like, all, the, like all this crazy stuff right here. Blasting Th- to the center of the earth. This whole page, man. It's That's all... You're drawing stuff that doesn't have a hard edge, and that's not easy. Water, whirlpools. Just, Fair enough. Just trying to draw some water with proper waves is hard. Now you gotta draw whirlpools and stuff being thrust out. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that this was done Marvel method, you know, like 
because it is such a visual story. There's such a little just, you know, you get a couple of your of your uh, close-ups, but there's there's movement on every page. The storytelling is impressive. Even that close-up, right? It's it's Polaris like possibly overcharging in order to make this happen. Um, it's a great page too with, you know, you're showing off Storm really in action. I like whenever you see multiple uh, powers being used and there are different visual techniques oh, that yeah. indicate the powers. That's a really nice thing in a team book. It's well crafted, uh, you know, a lot of those details. And uh, I, I, I love the, the end because this is so true. What are we going to do with 13 X-Men? That made me laugh out loud when I read it. <laughs> I, mean, so like, I mean, that's... that's, a, that's and, and then, you know, t two issues later, you know, uh, people start dying. That's a that's like a... Uh, that's a classic line, man. Yeah. I had to use it. <laughs> and, and it's so funny. Like, so if you can imagine, like, such an important comic, such a famous comic, and a comic so famous and so important, I thought I had read it, and then realizing in the reading that I'd never read it. Yeah, it's, that's it, fine. Like, it's like opening some kind of door, and like... like you know, in yourself, and I like, I just loved it. Didn't you read these? No, I just bought this yesterday because oh. I'm like, I have that comic, I've read that comic, I couldn't find it anywhere. I'm like, maybe I don't, and then I bought it, and then I'm like, reading it, I'm like, I've never read this before. I think I read this in the Essential X Men, yeah, whenever me that too. was one of those early essentials they started with the new X Men, first, yeah, the very first essential, and uh, that's probably where I read it for the first time, yeah, yeah it, me it, too. It's one of my favorite comics now, and I'm really glad that I didn't read I, that I, I I didn't realize it was in Grand Design because now I have an excuse to read it again. And Jim, like maybe you didn't enjoy it the last time. I dare you to read it in this format and not fall in love with it. I'll tell you, this format is very flattering. Yeah, Dave Cockrum's art looks so nice. Yeah, uh, in this slight oversized, and those kind nicely of things, printed version. Those kind of things are important. We we act like they're not, but they're so they are important, and they can make the difference between something being like, "Ah, eh, this is a shitty comic," to "This is my favorite comic." Isn't there an interesting optical illusion that happens here where, like, in your mind, this is white, but this looks yellow? Yeah. But this looks whiter than that, but it is the same? Yeah, the eye does all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, I mean, like you were color. saying with the magenta stuff. The magenta stuff was doing all kinds of weird stuff to my eye. Yeah. And, and my mind. So, Jim, you're saying uh, you're cutting promos on Len Wein? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that's what it comes down to. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's the way it works, you know? Like, we, we'll, we'll unpack a couple of Swamp things. And, and, you know, we're going to be waxing all over Bernie Wrights and, and the writing. You know what it is. This is the first generation fanboys getting a chance to make comics. And, like, Len Wein and Marv Wolfman, these guys probably read more comics think, than they read novels and shit. You know, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be critical of Chris Claremont X-Men, too. Because I read that stuff when I was a kid and I was really on board. And I've tried rereading it as an adult. And it's just, like, it's, it's so verbose. It's so overwritten. It doesn't do it for me now the way it did whenever I was younger, had more time, whatever the case may be. And a lot of it, I think, comes down to these are comics written for eight and nine-year-olds. And it's cool they have historical significance, especially in a universe. I get all of that. But as a pure reading experience out of that context, it's I find it tough. You know, I, I do think it's written to a different audience than me. It is that interesting thing, too, man. We're, you know, we unpacked some, uh, some Carl Barks. This is the thing, too. Like, think of what we look at on this show. Like, I'm not comparing this to uh, whatever else came out that month from Marvel. Like I'm comparing it to Carl Barks or right. to Dan Klaus or to the reason I bring know, up, Neil Gaiman or whatever. The reason I bring up Barks though is that uh, you know comics that are clearly written for kids that are not insulting to the reader. Uh, as a little kid, I remember the redundancy and the feelings of like, man, they really must think I'm stupid. You know, like they really must think I'm an idiot because they're showing me this thing and telling me what what I'm seeing 
and telling me what I'm supposed to feel and think. <laughs> right. You know, like, man, they're really like beating me over the head. I, with that context in mind, this stuff is no problem for me to, to fuck with because I know that. It's also, um, this is the first issue and we had just read Wildcats and talked about it this week. And it's another thing where it's like, the first issues are tough because it's just like, here, meet Wolverine, meet Warpath, meet Storm. And, you know, I don't know how you do that in a great way. Like, this is okay, it's fine, but I know those characters from reading them for 30 years. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, could skip ahead to you, page 12 and, you know, feel like I'm okay. I'm on, you know, I'm, I'm good. I you, didn't miss anything. You just, I mean, you just can't take that kind of stuff out of the equation of like right. what you're bringing to this. It's so, for it's so yeah. hard. And uh, like once, once they introduce Nightcrawler, I, I'm in, you know, like I'm in and I'm going wherever this is going to go. And if they did 10 more introductions, I'm in for all of that, you know, like. Well, I'm glad you said that, Tom. It's really well said. And I do try to keep that in mind whenever we read this stuff, just because it's not syncing up with me at the mm -hmm. time I'm reading it or under whatever conditions yeah. that I don't like it. I don't feel like I don't begrudge anybody loving this comic, mm -hmm. and, and I don't want to shit on their love of it. Like I don't want to talk somebody out of loving it if they love well, it. Well, yeah. When, when we were coming into this, I was kind of like, yeah, I guess I'll read that. Whatever. Like I didn't expect to love it. Like I like I do, you know. And but it really like you know. Yeah, well, get ready, man, because I'm gonna butt break out my my classic X Men's man. <laughs> I, I mean, and, I, and if we get enough views yeah. on this video, man. We're gonna keep that gravy train rolling. I, Thanks, I'm, everybody. I'd, I'd love an excuse to like reread that kind of stuff because like I haven't read this before and I haven't read issue two before, but I've read it all and I'd I'd love to revisit it. Issue two. Issue like the, the, not issue two, but like the, the issue immediately. Yeah, ninety four. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That stuff is real fun, and and it'll be fun to look at it with the classic X Men, because you see the redrawings, you'll see uh, tipped in pages that are like, because they try to update the continuity and like fix retcons, so they'll just wedge like panels that were drawn like specifically for for that comic, like cool pages and stuff. It's it's so on the nose when you see a Karen Dwyer two page <laughs> right. spread in in a John Byrne comic or something, but. It's interesting. I Plus the John Bolton backups. I love classic X-Men. Yeah. Like in some ways that's like, you know, some of the best comics ever made. And it is like talking to the point of like the comics, the first draft, like they've already done the first draft. So the classic X-Men is draft two and yeah. they bring a lot of interesting stuff to the table. Yeah. Particularly the backups. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into all that at some other point, man. K favors like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. Jimmy. Join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can download out-of-print zines and mini-comics. You can see original art and script and process of how I make the comics I make like Street Angel, Plain Janes, and more at patreon.com slash jimrug. Uh, check out the companion volume to this Fantastic Four Grand Design. Read Jack Kirby, uh, uh, creator of the X-Men. Uh, uh, Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics. Uh, check out my YouTube channel, Total Recall Show, and my Patreon, uh, patreon.com, search Tom Scholey. Red Room Comics in the Wild, uh, the Anti-Social Network trade paperback, going to hit the stores in uh, on November 9th, man. Uh, go to your comic shop, get those things pre-ordered. Retailers, please order heavy, because Amazon bought more than half of uh, the print run. Uh, you can keep up with uh, the Red Room Comics that I'm serializing of the next wave, uh, a season of comics called Trigger Warnings. Uh, issue one's being serialized now every Tuesday. Three bucks get you to the archive over, over at my Patreon. You can put in pre-orders for issue one of that next wave as well, man, at the Fanographics website. All those links in my uh, link tree in the description below this video. What else do we have, Jimmy? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. Pick up Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise like the Read More Comics shirt at the links below this video. Give them those marching orders, man. We're going to be on our way. Make more comics.